We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lefty is on CFB Nation. Presented by Twisted T. Man, look. That's why I said this year, what you see on the field is a byproduct of dysfunction within the program, which is why you see inconsistency and dysfunction on the football field. And until that's cleaned up within the program, you're not going to see excellence consistently on the football field. And maybe Pete Babakwa will bring that for Notre Dame and give the leeway to Marcus Freeman to be able to get the guys in the position. That's it. That's it. Marcus Freeman has never had control. He might have leverage because he's done. He stepped out in front and took multiple bullets for dysfunctional things that have taken place. Absolutely. So maybe... He's going to come back with the invoices like, okay, I stood up after the Ludwig situation. I stood up after the Tommy situation. Yo, I need something. And maybe he, maybe he might get payment on what he's done. But to feel like in any way, shape, or form that Marcus Freeman has control of the offense, he's no different dude. Did, didn't Nick Saban just tighten the reins offensively on Tommy Reese after yeah. the first four weeks? Like, look, we're going to run the ball. We're not doing all that crazy stuff, and we're going to allow Jalen Milrow to use his legs. We're going to be real simple on offense and play to our defense. Marcus Freeman is doing the same thing. Yeah. That's his philosophy. He doesn't have studs at wide receiver. His strength is his running backs and his offensive line. And it's tight ends. Duh, run the ball. Run the ball. The problem is they have a quarterback that turns the ball over. They've had an offense that turns the ball over. They have an offensive line that's been inconsistent at times. And even though they play to their defense in big games, three times it wasn't good enough to get the job done. And that's it. And they had a chance to win all three games in the second half. That's it. That's right. So if we're going to get mad about Marcus Freeman and his philosophy on how to win, he's the one looking at the talent every day. That's it. But for those that weren't watching, Ron Powell, Marcus Freeman was trying to talk to the ref about a bad call. Ron Powell walks in front of, walks up next to Marcus Freeman on the field and starts screaming at the ref as an administrator. And Marcus Freeman had to turn around and tell him, like, dude, back up. Yeah, like, what the? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but it's, like I said, this is the same dude that was wearing headphones on the sideline listening to the coaches last year during games. Like, dude, what are you? Be an administrator, man. It's like it's like it's too much melding of 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 roles in this situation. Are you player development? Are you 
you your right hand like what is what's you 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 trying to do too much because now you got people looking at you like who is this mystery man what's your mystery role where you just kind of in on everything and you just hovering over the guy and I'm like coach Kelly never would have lied we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, but you saw the way Coach Kelly mm-hmm. went to David Grimes, and David Grimes didn't even, didn't even do anything. Man, Grimes didn't even do anything. This man Kelly get it in order. And he just, he's like, he turned around, just first person he saw. <laughs> and see, that's and the you one know, thing. Marcus Freeman tried to do. Everything and he looking around like, have you on back to what are you talking about? I hope, I hope Notre Dame fans that I read this correctly. I hope I did. It seemed like to me, I saw something out of Marcus Freeman on that sideline, the way he reacted to Ron Paulus, the way he reacted to Aldrich and Dylan McCullough, the way he reacted to other things. He's fed up. Oh, he's fed up. That Sam Hartman fumble. He's fed up, man. He yeah. didn't even say nothing to Sam Hartman. When he came off the field. No, no, it's like, go ahead. Like, bro. Dude, you know go what? talk to it Gino, is, bro. It is you know, Gino go talk to him. He ain't want to is, he's fed up, man, because he goes over the same stuff week after week. This is the stuff we have to eliminate. And cats keep doing it. And what people wonder, like, well, what is he talking to Audrey and Dylan McCullough about? He talked about it in post game. He's like, dude, I'm, I'm tired of all these mistakes from the running back room. Pass blocking. Fumble, all of that. Stop. Stop. And he basically told Audrey, like, look, and at that point in time, it was a review going on with Jabron Payne, and eventually they called it a touchdown, and it wasn't a fumble. But he was just, he's tired of it, dude. Because Marcus Freeman is the one taking all, he puts himself out there. No excuses, as a coach should. He takes the bullet. So we're not patting him on the back for that. That's what he's supposed to do. That's why he's getting paid the big bucks. Yeah, that's why he's getting that. paid. Yeah, ain't nobody so feel players, bad for him. The school and the program. But at some point, when you keep getting hit, hey, I'm tired of this. We're going to stop this crap. This crap has to stop. Or else. He might not go to the extent that Dion went to, but it's like, hey, we just gonna have to get some cats in here that won't make the mistakes. That's it. Percent, dude, 10, he's back to being 10 on this show. I can't even say his name. <laughs> this dude, why are you double clutching? For what? Yeah. yeah. Perfect pass protection. You for what? For what? No connection. How many times left? I sent you two videos. Tobias, wide open. Wide open. Perfect protection. Wide open deep twice. 
it's the one same, time it's, it's the same it's the same stuff teams are leaving to buy a single cover knowing that Sam not even looking that deep they it's they will feel they're they're like listen corners do your best but nine times out of ten he's not trying you so we're going to involve our safeties in all run situations play super aggressive and y'all on the island and nine times out of ten, Tobias is, hey, I'm even that he's one on one, he's open. Forget being wide open, he's open if it's one on one. That should be yeah. a mindset. I keep and telling he's you, one on one, eighty percent of the game. <laughs> Notre Dame fans, I promise you, I would not mislead you. And if you're frustrated with Tobias Merriweather, that's fine. Tobias Merriweather has not met a defensive back this year. Including Ohio State, that he has not beat one on one, not one, not one, and he's not getting double covered. No, ever. Even on passing situations, they're pressing him. Clemson was pressing him on pass situations that we need first downs for. No safety help. Safety's looking at Aldrich. They looking. They looking to tackle Aldrich. Man. Duke was pressing Tobias one on one the whole game. I mean, teams don't even respect our outside receivers. That man, Tobias, pulled a Randy Moss, bro. He put his hand up when he got even with the DB. That's right. I said, okay. All right. So, I, you know, I don't know what else. I have no clue what else to say left. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just super frustrating, man, because now it's like you need to address that if you want the offense to be any better at this point. I think we've mastered the committing to the run strategy. We've mastered the get our tight ends involved and have them be dynamic. We've mastered the Offensive line being consistent enough to give us a chance to win. But we have yet to master explosive plays and using the outside receivers consistently. Man. We haven't had a thousand yard receiver since Will Fuller, and that was seven or eight years ago. And I don't know. Matter of fact, I don't even think Will was a thousand yard receiver. Our true, the one I remember for sure was Michael Floyd, who had a hundred receptions for a thousand plus yards, but that was. Michael Floyd doesn't even play football no more. <laughs> so, when I, I mean, when is the last thousand yard receiver we've had? I can't remember. Kyron, <laughs> Kyron, all purpose. Shout out to him, man. He had a heck of a game against Arizona last night. Oh, if when Kyron's healthy, Kyron balls. That's right. Just can't stay healthy. That's You're a small is. running back in the NFL, bro. That's, that's tough. That's tough sled. He's a tough he, sled. He said he's the smallest. Dude, he's one of the smallest running backs in the NFL. Yeah. He's one of the smallest. Dude, he just, you know, Kyron is just as versatile and shifty as Jameer Gibbs. He might not be as explosive. Yeah, he's just not as fast, but he's, he's just But as far as like being you, yeah, heck yeah. Heck yeah. He's perfect with McVay. He's per- that's the perfect coach for him. Absolutely. And it's just, uh, if he can stay healthy, you have a nice little time out there. Yeah. And for us, that was supposed to be our Chris Tyree in a lot of ways, but that's not the offense that we are putting on the field. The offense <laughs> we're putting on the field is totally different than what they're talking about in the press conferences. They're talking about leading up to the games. They're talking about at any point in, in these meetings, and it's just interesting that we're showing something differently than what we're telling people we're trying to change. And for us to be so conservative, you would think that we didn't have talent. Yeah, That's what makes it so frustrating, that we play so simple that it makes us look worse than what we are. But then when you look at the end of the game, you're like, oh, they put up 50 points. <laughs> you know, you're like... No clue because it's a frustrating 
knowing that you got guys running wide open, you can't get to them. And when you do, you don't go back to it. It's like, we okay, they're like, all right, we threw it. Okay, we threw it. We we got the touchdown to Tobias. Okay, then let's go back to running three times in a row. Well, no, keep going back to it. He shouldn't be having two catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns, and you avoid going back to it because the defense keeps giving it to us. So I think we proved that we are a tough running football team. Mm-hmm. But we, but that clearly is resulting in not the wins that we need against the teams that can change the narrative of our program. It's like we refuse to beat teams outside of what we're good at in terms of we're if we're going to beat a good team, it's going to be because we're running the football, not because of what it takes to beat that team. Yeah. If we got to throw – 350 yards and five touchdowns against Ohio State because that's how we got to beat them. That's what we got to go do, which is why I kept – if we got to throw the ball against Clemson, like I was saying, mm-hmm. then that's the only way we can beat them because that's our advantage, and we don't do it because we're just so convinced that we're better than any team stopping us running the ball. We, it, we end up losing. We end up losing. I told us if Sam doesn't be the – if Sam is not the star of the game and he doesn't have four or five touchdowns with 300, all that, you know, the way the team is set up, we're not just going to beat them running straight. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't happen like that. So I think for us, if we were to ever get that right, Marcus Freeman could – would actualize the, the vision he has for his program a lot better because defensively is there. It just gets overshadowed by the frustration of the offense. Defense struggled a little bit early on. We'll talk about that. Uh, but I'll just estimate, man. Look, we look. When he got upset about being left off the semifinal list of the Joe Walker Award uh, at the end of last week or the middle of last week, Stanford being who they were, small up front, really couldn't stop the run. We knew what was coming. So him going over 200 yards is not shocking. It's not it's shocking. Not. And see, this is the thing. Aldrich went over 200 yards, and after the game, I still was sitting there saying, that boy that boy 12 is going to be something, boy. That, it- that, that boy 12 is going to be something, boy. Uh, dude, Aldrich can go for 200, 250. There will be three or four plays in that game where you're like, well, this dude 12, boy, when they let him loose, when they finally let him loose. Impact. Man. And it is, it is, you know, I think it's like Aldrich definitely deserves credit for being a volume back, but it's because he's a volume back it's not as praised as it was back when volume backs were in. The mm-hmm. Steven Jacksons, Brandon Jacobs of the world, those those bruisers, you know, that carry the ball 25, 30 times a game. That's just they not. They get stronger as the game goes on. That's absolutely. the purpose, right? The two-yard yeah. run in the first quarter turns into eight, 15 in the fourth quarter and third quarter. So, that's just not the effect of how people look at wins these days. Like it's like the three ball with Steph Curry. That got the whole team shooting threes. If an NBA team right now went back to big man point guard pick and roll basketball and everybody else is a defensive player, they just wouldn't win games. And even if they did, they would look like how Iowa look. I mean, look at Iowa. How are we any different than Iowa? I mean, at least Iowa is more committed to what they do than we are. But we we be capping like we acting like we're trying to be a a balanced offense, but try to play like Iowa on the field. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's I think it's an identity crisis right now on offense, which which proves that dysfunction just doesn't pre- pre- provide a great product on the field. When even if you have the talent, because I still believe that we got talent at receiver, just not capitalized on or have a chemistry between the the quarterback group and them. Like somebody in the chat said, 
they still see 12 running into people. That kind of happens when you run an outside running back inside. That ain't his fault. Yeah. And wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's running into people averaging 6.3 yards a carry on the year. So you can run into people. If you're going to average 6.3, run into people all day. I know one thing. I ain't seen nobody else bounce the ball outside on an inside running play like 12. Exactly. That's that's what I have not seen. Kids having 6.3. You know, it's almost as if all day. It's almost as if one of those, like, Audrick's one of those overachieving type of kids that does everything right, you know, gets all the good grades, but it's it, it's almost an overachieving sense. Then mm-hmm. the kid that's just a natural genius that, you know, just goes in there and, and, and does and produces the same. So, you know, that the overachieving aspect gets rewarded over time. Mm-hmm. Like an A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon wasn't necessarily. Yeah, when AJ was with Boston College, he was definitely one of those volume, one of those volume guys. And uh, Notre Dame, NC Notre Dame fan is right. Uh, Big Henry down there in Tennessee. Did you, you hear me? Yeah, I got you. You know, Henry from Tennessee is another one of those volume guys. Left it. I I just don't know. And left reconnect in a minute. I just don't know if we'll ever see another volume guy win a national championship in college football I, I i don't i don't know i don't know it is heck i don't know if we'll see another volume guy win a championship in the nfl from the running back position i guess saquon in a sense is a volume guy in a different way um and volume i mean not so much as like running the ball but he's constantly getting the ball either via the run or the pass so that's volume in that sense um the game has just changed it's just changed but aldrick estimate man that it was stanford okay we understand that but I've always said that Audrick Estime, but his size has fantastic feet. And I think we saw that. I, I think we saw that, you know, some of the runs he made, stopping, starting, getting back up, getting to the outside on a couple of plays. Like, you know, those are the things that NFL teams are going to look at and say, okay, he's not just a one-trick pony. Uh, you talking about Jeremy Love? No, I'm talking about, you know, some of the runs that Audrey did bounce to the outside. Yeah, Audrey you know, has talent. He's going to be yeah. picked up somewhere. And and he, I look at Audrey no different than, than Tony Jones. Mm-hmm. Tony Jones has been one of the more productive backs we've had in the last couple of years, you know, because of his consistency. And Tony Jones may not wow you, but Tony Jones gets the job done, stays healthy, similar to Audrey. Stay, Audrey stays healthy. You know, he's giving you his best effort. He's producing. He even had a game-winning run. I, you know, when's the last time you see something like that? But but it's not going to be the freak of nature necessarily mm-hmm. like Jeremiah Love, who I think has just more electric impact. It just pops. Some people just pop on the screen in different ways. Like I think Jadarian Price has his, has his ways that, make him look really good and I think that shows itself in special teams. It doesn't it doesn't translate always to the running back position, mm-hmm. but for special teams, he's a great fit and you can see the talent show better there. I think Jeremiah loves running back talent is just a little bit better than Aldrich's in different ways. I think you feel more uh even though Aldrich can do some outside stuff, I just don't think that's his body type. Jeremiah Love uniquely has a body type where we're running him inside way more than I'm, I can imagine why. That doesn't make sense. We do the same thing to Chris Tyree. We run him it's inside. Tough, though. Isn't it amazing when someone as small as him never goes down on first contact? It is. It's, he it's has pretty some, crazy. His leg strength must be really, 
really impressive. Yeah, and that's why I think they they go to it is because they're like, all right, we're running inside. He's at least making the first guy miss, or they got a game tackle him six yards down the field. But mm-hmm. you know, you're you're fighting hard for six yards as opposed to an outside run that can hit for 15, 20 because he can get to the outside. And I think that's something that Aldrich over time gets to in the game. He can get to the outside fourth quarter when teams are tired of tackling him and they like, oh hell, this he giving us hell. But in the first quarter, Audrey's not busting no outside runs. I no. saw a few safeties and linebackers from Stanford pretty much run from the top. Yeah, and that's in the second that's half after like the third, fourth quarter, he done got the ball twenty. They just like, man, we man, <laughs> we we gotta hit you from the side, dog, because you 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 running too too tough. But Jeremiah Love can pop off at any moment. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's that's clear. That's just a clear difference. Yeah. Jeremiah Love, you can give him the ball in the first quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, doesn't matter. At any point he can hit the hit his head on the goalpost. He doesn't he doesn't need twenty to carries to get going. It can be lightning in the bottle, provided the right things go. So that's where the three plays he has can be more memorable than some somebody that's gotten 200 yards in the game throughout the game and tough runs, but you look up and like, oh, it's 200. Not, oh man, that these three plays could have been two touchdowns, you know. So it's it's a perspective thing and aesthetic thing too. I don't think Aldrich is the most aesthetically pleasing, ex, uh, exciting X factor that a team could have. You know, you look at some teams that have electric. Players like a Tank Dale from uh, the Texans, who it's just man, everything he does, just like wow, you know, like Tyreek Hill, everything he does, just like wow, that's that's next level. Aldridge's like the blue collar, you know, you can relate so much to him. He's just a hardworking dude, Nick Chubb like, but guys like Nick Chubb last a long time in the league, so it's just a matter of preference. I think Notre Dame is. Is is wanting an exciting offense. That's just why I think Jeremiah Love fits that yeah. new wave of what we want to look like. Mm-hmm. It's just exciting, high flying, scoring a lot of points, explosive plays. Because there's too many offenses out here right now that's doing it, and we need to join join the the good side. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Offensive line, left. Let me tell you something, man. Zeke Correll does not need to take another snap as a starting center. <laughs> Ashton Craig, I'm, 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 I'm just fine with Ashton Craig as center for the rest of the year, and let him give him that spot. Put Zeke Correll at guard. You know, and maybe they want to go back to, to Zeke Correll because he's a veteran. And maybe Ashton Craig is a little bit bigger, so he probably would work better at guard. Right. Either way, Ashton Craig and Billy Shrout, I'm good with them moving forward. Yeah. I'm good. I'm a hey, rock out. Now, if you want to talk about who's going to play tackle, 
Hey, a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. But guard this to guard. Tackle, the tackle spot's been real, real nice for us over the decade. Yeah. Now, we just not putting anybody over there. Mm-mm. We've been putting out some pretty amazing, you know, first round talents. So it's it's a that's a that's a delicate position now. But the the guards and centers over the last five or six years have definitely been mm-hmm. uh, projects that have gotten better, and yeah. some have proven to be good pro players, but not. First year, Blake Fisher, exciting Joe Alt type of impact. Absolutely. Those are the, those have been the tackles. I mean, even before those guys, the tackles were top tier. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, and like NC Notre Dame fans, no, it's not. It's not one game. Ashton Craig came in against Clemson and held his own in a hostile environment as a third stringer. See, I don't know. Most third stringers are rattled in that situation. He wasn't. Right. That's the first thing. See, that's the first thing you look for with a kid. It's just like Joe Alt when he came in as a freshman. He wasn't rattled. He wasn't technically all there. He was making mistakes, but he wasn't rattled. It wasn't too big for him. That's one thing. As a third stringer, you walk in in the fourth quarter of a heated contest against Clemson and that defensive line, and you hold your own, and you're not rattled, because you got to think about the snap. The snap count, the checks, all of that as a third stringer at center. And you handle yourself. It didn't, I didn't need to see anything going into pit. That was enough for me. Right. I knew what he was made of in that moment. See, that's when you find out when, what kids are made of. That moment right there. So I knew what was coming in pit. I mean, Wake Forest, when they said he was starting. Oh, he's starting his Wake Forest. Oh, he's going to ball. Oh, he's starting again against Stanford. Oh, he's going to ball. Because he's already shown that the moment's not too big for him. Now he just needs to get reps. That's all. That's all. The reps are going to make him better. That's it. And that's why I would personally keep him at center. They might move him to guard. Personally, he's bigger at center. Notre Dame has never really had a push at that center position. Because most of their guys have been small. At that position, yeah. he's a bigger guy. He's getting pushed. You love that. I love that. Let him grow. Let Billy Shrout grow. They're talented. They compete. Let them grow. Are they going to make mistakes? Absolutely. But it's something there. It's something there. Give them 15 more practices together. Give them reps in the bowl game together. Give them a spring together. Give them a fall together. And I feel pretty comfortable going to College Station. That's right. I do. I Maybe everybody else needs to see more. Ashton Craig showed me who he was in that Clemson game. Excuse me. As a third stringer. I was like, okay. I see you, kid. I see you. The tackle situation, look, I actually think, dude, we, dude Notre Dame has lost first-round tackles before, man. And yeah. we always say, who's going to play tackle? And all of a sudden, here comes the next great tackle at Notre Dame. It just happens. It's happened with at least two different offensive line coaches. It's tight ends and tackles. We are are right over the over the mark. We don't miss when it comes to tight ends and tackles. It's it's like yo, I look. The tight ends and tackles aren't winning championships. That's what's also been proven. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's another bullet point as we get ready to tighten the bow up on the offense and move over to the defense and then get to the grades. These freshmen, or these young tight ends, God, dog, they can block left. Oh, like, man. Is, that the, is that the first thing on the board, the tight end room in Notre Dame? Well, that's that's where it starts. They don't like okay. you if you can't, if you can't okay. block first. Okay. The catching aspect, all of that is good, but because if you can't do both, 
that you ain't mm-hmm. even coming to Notre Dame. So mm. Tyler Eifert was a, a rarity in my opinion because he was the only guy that I remember us just blatantly putting him on a single side or single receiver side and just throwing go balls to him. I, so he must have maybe Coach Barton and, and those guys probably saw him more as a receiver than a tight end. But even Tyler Eifert became the blocking. Mm-hmm. Well, he gonna put you in the in, in the ground too. It's just he was more highlighted. So it's just it's an interesting thing because whatever formula that we that we have on recruiting tight ends has, has been that algorithm has been amazing. <laughs> We've been able really to capitalize has. on uh, whatever that system is. Hopefully, you know. Have we ever the question is have we ever recruited a tight end at the talent level of a Brock Bowers? Because that's a game changing tight end. And it's I'm not saying that our tight ends haven't been game changing. Obviously, Michael Mayer was the offense, but have we ever had a tight end of that talent level? Oh, man, Tyler Eifert is the only, but they didn't use Tyler Eifert like they used Brock. No, as I'm saying, they didn't use Eifert on reverses and handoffs and screens and stuff. But it's a, it's definitely a benefit to any quarterback to have a very solid tight end and tackle. And I think it's because we've had such consistency at that, it's only highlighted the quarterback's lack of ability because mm-hmm. you get in the protection which means you're having time to find open receivers, but you also have a comfort blanket in the middle of the field with a tight end that's very consistent. So now it only shows the lack of ability that the quarterback has because it's like, okay, we're blocking and giving you time, and you got somebody in the middle of the field. Man. Why are you not capitalizing? You know, that's essentially what makes, it, makes it look so crazy is because that's the other team's focus is the – Stopping the run and stopping the tight end, leaving one-on-one island guys, island boy receivers all day. So the focus has to go on the talent of the quarterback because we're going to be consistent in providing protection and giving you somebody in the middle of the field. That's that's the guarantee. Yeah. Well, it has been the last X amount of years. But the quarterback is going to have to be responsible for getting the ball outside the hashes. And that's where we just haven't been good at. And it shows in our stats. Ian Book for under 3,000 yards. That's because you're throwing in the middle of the field all day. You're not taking chances outside. Yeah. Sam Hartman, 12,000 yards and you can't give us a semblance of that, because that's where you were throwing at Wake Forest was on the outside. You ain't had no tight end on no Notre Dame level at Wake Forest and barely had protection. And you were still squeezing out crazy amount of yards and touchdowns over there. So, you know, Notre Dame is set up for a quarterback that has the talent to throw the ball on the outside. It would just make us unstoppable. Because we got to run a game, too. That's the other thing. Yeah. So play action, stretching the field. We got Deuce Knight in the tank. Kenny Kenny Minchie on the lineup. Hell, even Angeli's trying to make it something shake, you know. And 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 to be honest, if he's he's done everything they've asked him to do, but why are they not trusting him more? Because in my opinion, I feel like if Angeli was really that guy. We would have moved on from Sam a long mm-hmm. time ago. If it, if it was just he's better. Because the experimental phase with Sam, for me, ended after Clemson. Well, hell, ended after Louisville, to be honest. But Clemson was the the the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me. If, if Angeli was really that guy, you know, these coaches get paid a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So if it was ever not working, they would go to something that would work better. Which means that they didn't like the performance of the quarterback in at at Clemson. At this point, you would you would say, okay, 
it's time to get this young guy a chance who's been on the cusp of, of really making it hard for us to keep him on the bench. And that's what I hope Kenny shows in these bowl practices because he's going to get the opportunity that he's playing so well that if, if the guy ahead of him slips at any point, they're comfortable in putting him in there and rocking the show. And in a good example of that is Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. Kelly Bryant was 15-2. and two. And Dabo just couldn't couldn't not play Trevor. He just could he's like, damn, you doing everything, you know, but you're 15 and two, or you even threw a touchdown, and I still had to put the other guy in. Like I just it just nothing you could have did. And for Sam Harbin, who, you know, loses the Clemson game, if Steve was a guy that I've had a lot of confidence in, he'd be starting the rest of the year. But that hasn't been the case. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a situation where they've just called the, the most safest, perfect plays that Steve knows, hasn't gone outside the box, and he's been able to to execute, which is a good sign, right? It's a good sign. But until we start game planning and actually having strategy against teams based on our quarterback's talent level, I don't know how successful we can truly be being as basic as we are because at the end of the day, you get too basic, you lose strategy. You get too basic offensively, you don't you lose a game plan because you're not game planning against what the defense is trying to do to you. You're just running plays. And that's what I hope we don't do this year coming up. I feel like this year... We did a lot of just running plays because we we feel like we're just better than you, you know. But that the, the teams over in Washington, they they call them plays to win games. <laughs> they call it plays to win. Yeah. They they like look. What does it require? Okay, we're gonna draw it up. We're gonna draw it up. So, an offensive line was encouraging. Wide receiver. PSA to team. If you have zero coverage or one high safety, and you know both of the outside receivers, which happen to be Rico on one side and Tobias on the other side, and you're trying to go over the top, throw the Tobias. Because Rico ain't ran past nobody all season. He hasn't run. The fact that that dude on that play where Rico, it was an interception, and Rico just happened to knock the ball out of defensive back's hands. Finally, he made a play on the ball. Tobias is running the same route and has literally had his hands up when he got to the defensive back. It was like three to three yards behind. It's, it's frustrating, left. It's frustrating. What could have been? What could have been for the 2023 Fighting Irish? Because I'm watching Michigan, Ohio State saying, Notre Dame's defense played better against Marvin Harrison, played better against Ohio State. That's right. It's like, yo, we saw the we saw the all 22. It was players open in the past game against Ohio State because Ohio State is going to play single high. Everybody else at the line of scrimmage eight yards off the ball. They did the same thing against Michigan. Michigan didn't run the ball as well as I think. I think they ran the ball for a little more yards, just a little more yards than Notre Dame did. Yeah. But Michigan controlled the clock. It look. It's just amazing, man. Notre Dame is not that far off, man. When you look at Michigan and you look at Ohio State, Notre Dame is not that far away from those teams. They're not. And that's the frustrating thing, man. Michigan's playmakers are their running backs. And their tight ends. Who does that sound like? 
Notre Dame. That's exactly who it sounds like. Notre Dame. Ohio State just happens to have the running back, the wide receivers. It's just frustrating, left. It is. But, you know, that's where this recruiting class impact is going to come in. The 25 is going to come in. And we'll see a total change over on the type of players that Marcus Freeman is bringing in as opposed to what he came into under Brian Kelly. And when that happens, then we, I, in my opinion, you can evaluate and compare the two instead of how we're including him into a, a team that still is is in a transition in itself of guys that Marcus Freeman didn't necessarily bring in. Dion did it just all in one swoop. Marcus Freeman is doing it in stages, you know, <laughs> like he's yeah. he has the enough respect for the guys there because he's been there also. But yeah, in terms of recruiting and having your own team, that's a that's a been a process. I mean, look at guys like Lincoln Riley, he's taking everybody with him wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. You don't see USC hiring no defensive guy for him. He literally took people in administration, not just yeah. coaches, people in administration, or the paper the paper lady downstairs, the the janitor that he's cool with. He took everybody in the building. Emptied them out. And USC was just like, how big of a check you need? That's it. Still no defense. But hey, we're gonna be excited. We're gonna get you a Heisman in there. Quick, fast, and in a hurry, but it just shows you what happens when a school allows a guy to bring in everything, not just part of him. Yeah. Just, you got to take all of him. What is it in a relationship? You got to take all of him, not just some of them. Michigan did the exact same thing to Ohio State than Notre Dame did. Yeah. Let's go watch the game. The game plan was not that different. It wasn't different. The only difference is, on the last drive, the Michigan DB caught the interception. That's it. it. DJ Brown dropped ours. That's it. it. Plain and simple. That's what good teams do. When the play comes up, they make it. That's just it. When the play comes up, they make it. Mm -hmm. And the teams that don't make it don't win. No matter how planned out you thought you had it, how close you thought it should be, how all of that, it comes down to one or two plays usually in in, in most situations. That's how football is. And mm-hmm. that's what makes the game so great is that you can play good and play bad. You can play bad. Jalen Hurts was 4-11 first half. Terrible. 4-11 in the pick. Mm-hmm. And he go, he make he second half throw for 20 yards, finds a way to get into overtime, and then wins it on the game winning touchdown. And then your boy throws the critical interception in the second half and has Gabe Davis open and just and and miscommunication. And he could have ended it there. That's what I'm saying. If you get chances to end it, it's one of those things where you don't get redos. No. You don't get no redo if even if if the play opens up and it's sweet Patrick Mahomes throwing that beautiful pass to Valdez Scantley who dropped it. You don't Man. the game is over after you drop it. Ain't no forget the last play. That was the I had called the game with Ball State and Tyler Stockton. They've been fighting all game. Defense been playing great. Offense gets the ball back, goes in for a chance to win third down. They get the great play call, runs into the end zone. Guess what? Penalty. (laughs) Penalty. Next play, they go for the field goal, gets it blocked. Of course, you only get one chance to end the game. Don't blame the blocked field goal. Blame the fact that y'all scored a touchdown. You got a holding penalty. It's DJ Brown, they throw it right to you. You did everything right. You, you cross keyed the safety. The quarterback didn't see you. You're supposed to go home. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to go home. Send a bye. See, see you. Try next time. Because guess what? 
Michigan's in the same situation, and they got it done. I guarantee you if he dropped it, Ohio State would have boop, 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 touchdown. I guarantee it. That's just how the game goes. When you when they say change your life, change your life. Change your life. DJ Brown didn't change his life, and it just impacted the team. And even he had one before that. Two opportunities to change life. Season could have been totally different. Rankings totally different. Yeah. Louisville, we probably would have smoked them. You know. But Michigan made one or two plays this year. We didn't, and then that's the difference right there. That's it. You tip your cap, man. As much as you want to talk about them, the scandal. Yo, they made the plays. They made the plays against Maryland. They made the plays against Ohio State. Now, I think we both agree when they line up against the dudes down there, them dogs, if they line up against them. I don't think it's going to go too well, personally. Oh, yeah, they're not tougher than them boys. But, hey. Is Kirby a, a better a good, a good, better coach or a better recruiter? Or program builder? I think Kirby's a hell of a defensive coach. Okay. Kirby's a hell of a defensive coach, especially if you give him. See, the only thing that is a kryptonite to Kirby is a quarterback and wide receivers. We saw that in the SEC championship game with Bryce. And uh, we saw it last year in the semis against Ohio State. Right? Because they depend on just the front four, getting to the quarterback, and they like to run, you know, the combo coverages and this and that. Right. But their DBs are really not what you call lockdown DBs. No, they kind of play off of the front seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Georgia Tech didn't. See, Georgia Tech didn't hang with Georgia. Georgia turned the ball over. They had touchdowns taken off the board on penalties. And Georgia was looking ahead to Georgia. That wasn't even the real Georgia team. Wasn't even the real Georgia team. Georgia wasn't focused. They didn't even use Brock Bowers, right? Didn't use Brock, yeah. They were using all their other weapons. Georgia was sleepwalking through that game and still, if you really look at it, still beat the heck out of Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech just took advantage of turnovers and mistakes and penalties. Sloppy game by Georgia. Like Georgia, I think had a chance to go up 18 or something. And they get a touchdown. They get a they throw a touchdown and the offensive lineman is like called for like being downfield illegally because it was an RPO. Mm. And then they make another mistake. And Georgia Tech gets the ball back scores and makes the game closer than what it really was. And it's like Georgia was never in danger in that game. They would never stop making mistakes. Yeah, they would never in danger. And they were looking ahead. It, uh, it happened. It, Georgia was bored. Georgia was bored. I think who I, it wasn't whoever called the game. Georgia Tech scored in the fourth quarter and went to the onside kick, and the people that were calling the game were like, Georgia Tech has to go to the onside kick because they haven't stopped the offense. They haven't stopped the Georgia offense all night. Basically. Georgia Georgia stopped themselves. And that was just the perfect way to explain what we saw all night. Georgia Tech didn't do anything to stop Georgia all night. Nothing. Georgia just... They just didn't. And Georgia Tech took care of, they took opportunities to score. If Georgia Tech had to line up and go 80 yards consistently, they wouldn't have done anything against Georgia's defense. But you give them credit. When they got mistakes, they turned around, they made plays, they had some little wrinkles that Georgia wasn't prepared for. 
Georgia wasn't sitting up there preparing for Georgia Tech like they're about to prepare for Alabama. Right. Like the wrinkles and, you know, Georgia Tech is running like fake pitches left, option right. Just Georgia wasn't prepared. Georgia defense is going to be just fine against Alabama. I, I, that's the best. I do. Kirby is loving being able to put that tape on this week, heading into the SEC championship game for their defense. I guarantee you that Georgia defense is going to be in film sections twice as much this week. Like, look at the, cut up all those mistakes against Georgia Tech. Long coverages, missed tackles. Cut them all up. That's what you get, man, with this. Because Georgia just ran that SEC gauntlet, right? Yeah. I think they were, it was Kentucky, Tennessee. This was Kentucky when they were good. Missouri, Tennessee. And it was one more team. Like they, and Ole Miss. That was like the gauntlet that everybody was like, we'll find out about Georgia. And they beat the hell out of everybody. Not everybody, yeah. At the, the gauntlet, everybody was like, oh, now we're about to see the real Georgia team. Okay. They beat the hell out of everybody. And then they do. They didn't re- Georgia didn't show up against Georgia Tech. They just didn't. They just didn't. I don't know what else to say. They didn't show up. They didn't. They didn't show up. Yeah, they had a chance to go up 38-16 left with like six minutes left. Damn. They, dude, they were just running over Georgia Tech, dude, in the second half. And they had a chance to go up 38-16 with like seven, eight minutes left. They get the touchdown. They get the penalty. The points come off the board. And then Georgia Tech goes down and scores. And they, the game looked a lot closer than what it was. It was like that late score didn't mean it didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it didn't mean anything to me. It's like, yeah, they don't, they they're not going to have the same dominant because their youngsters are playing. Yeah. The youngs- yeah, the Jordan youngsters. Davis. When he was a sophomore, wasn't as dominant as he was as a senior. Right. So come back and see me next year when these same players are now sophomores, juniors, and seniors. They just put 13 defenders in the NFL draft. Of course they're not as dominant. But they're good. But when they lined up against the four offenses that were supposed to give them trouble, Ole Miss, Missouri, whatever, they beat the hell out of them. I don't, they don't have to be dominant. The four SEC offenses that were supposed to give them problems, they beat the drum, they beat the brakes off of them and shut them down. That's it. And they're doing it with young players that are playing for the first time. Well, they're back in their safeties, Bullard, Starks, which are really kind of, other than Stackhouse up front, hey, that freshman linebacker, C.J. Allen, is going to be man left. No, they got, I mean, they, 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 I mean, they, they getting these players out of the man. Whew. They, you know, they just do, they just play sound, fundamental football, dude. So I, I just don't know. I said they're the only team that has the potential to be great. They're the only team that has the potential to be great. That's it. Yeah. Because this is not – they're more explosive offensively. They have more weapons offensively. They didn't even use Brock Bowers against Georgia Tech. Nope. They didn't game plan Brock Bowers, Georgia Tech. Like they're about to game plan 19 for Alabama in the playoffs. That's they right. didn't. It was a vanilla game plan. They walked out there and expected to just run over Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech showed up and played with heart. Play with heart, yeah. But it was literally the mistakes that Georgia made 
that made that game closer at the end. Like that game shouldn't have been that close with Georgia not playing a good game. Like I said, they should have been up 22 points with like seven, eight minutes left. Yeah. Penalties. So time for team grades and the defense. And we come back. Lucky Lefty podcast. We spin it different. 